Hey, welcome into this week's episode of Tuesday's R for Talking. This is Nathan, and this week we have a very special staff spotlight edition. I'm going to be introducing you to a few of my friends that you probably already know, but now you're going to have a chance to get to know them even better. On today's podcast, we have Julianne Paulson, also Pastor Brett Milliken, and Pastor Barnabas Willis. We're going to talk with them and hear their stories, and I know you're going to enjoy this very much. So let's get into it right now. Here we go. So excited to be here today with three really good friends of mine and co-laborers in ministry uh, on our podcast today. We've got Pastor Barnabas Willis, Pastor Brett Milliken, and of course, our Director of Operations, Julie Paulson. How are all of y'all today? Doing good. What's yeah, doing up? Fantastic. Doing well. Hello. Good morning. Doing well. Well, it is great to see y'all. And of course, we record this with uh, uh, some video that only we could see and some audio for everybody else. So they're missing their blessing today. Uh, but I'm getting mine. That's for sure. I get to, to take a look at you. Now, Brett, um, man, I'm looking at you right now and it almost kind of looks like you're flipping me off, but you're not because you're a Christian and you're holy. But you've got two fingers stuck up in the air right now and they've got something on it. Man, what happened? We got to hear this story first. Rattle out of the box. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a good lesson in in the uh, what the scriptures say when pride comes before the fall. I was uh, been making some some uh, cabinet doors for our kitchen out in my garage over the last couple of weeks, and uh, Monday night had a short little window of time to go out and and work on a couple of those things, and uh, had my router blade going, ran my piece of wood through it. And uh, then got lazy and prideful and didn't turn the blade off as I was examining the piece that I had just cut and didn't realize as I rotated the piece of wood to, to check out the cut on it that my finger was going straight into the blade. So I caught the two middle fingers on my right hand in my router blade, which if you know what a router is, you can immediately imagine how grotesque that was. Oh and, my gosh. Uh, basically just uh, shattered, shattered the bone, the, the bone and the tip of the two fingers you know, to, to give you a bit of a imagery that the nurse said was kind of like trying to sew hamburger meat back together. So, oh, yikes. That, um, yeah. So that, that's, that's what's on my hand now. I got a couple of splints and some gauze and some wraps and uh, praying, praying for God to <laughs> keep my fingers alive. Man, I am so sorry, Brett. That is yikes. not good. I appreciate it. Thanks. We will definitely be praying for your speedy recovery. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Wow. So never uh, view hamburgers the same. Never view hamburgers the same. <laughs> Julie, what do you want for lunch today? A little mighty fine, a little Pete Terry's in and out. What are you thinking? Um, I'm thinking vegan. Vegan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the less meat, the better after that story. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yikes. Yeah. Well, Brett, as you know, man, I'm I'm sort of experiencing and sort of living out a miraculous healing of my ankle, and yeah. so uh, I'm just going to pray for some of that healing grace to hit your hands, man, mm-hmm. and, and I receive fingers I back in shape faster than any doctor might predict. Yeah. Well, Julie, how are you today? It looks like you're in your office today. We're all at the house here recording from our, our home offices, but, but where are you? Are you at the <laughs> office this morning? Yes, I am at the office this morning, and I've been working up here in the office at least a day or two weeks since we've been going through this COVID season, but we have a lot of activity going on here at church, and I'm going to be working with facilities today, and we're going to be um, just kind of going over our list to get ready for this Sunday, which of course is our first Sunday, having uh, two services live here on campus and then also online, so I'm really excited about today. 
Well, I'm excited that you're here. Barnabas, you've got a big grin on your face. There's nothing unusual about that, of course. You just smile all the time. No one is more aptly named than you, except maybe Keith Tower, who's like, you know, eight feet tall or whatever. Uh, but man, you, you definitely, uh, you got that encouragement all, all over your face. I love seeing you. It just makes me feel good to look at you, bro. How are you, though, today? Are you, did your I'm, face tell the real story? Uh, my face lies all the time. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I'm doing well, though. I, I am doing well. Uh, sleep deprived, but still alive is my pretty uh normal lo- logo of, of, of my life and and so i i probably went to bed one ish something like that woke up at four ish because my kids decided to jump in our bed and say that they were no longer tired and wanted to play so uh but other than that i'm i'm excited to be here and really excited about the, about the day and, and you know coffee god made coffee and i'm very grateful for every bean that he has blessed this earth with and i'm going to continue to to enjoy the fruit of, of his divine labor in making coffee for me oh so my gosh <laughs> Hey, brother, that's when you tell the kids, we can play. Let's play the quiet game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's play drop them off at Bread House. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good, man. Uh, for those of you keeping score at home, I think that's three hours of sleep last night for Barnabas. So yeah. um, I, I'm pretty good with like five and a half, six, but you get me inside that five number and it's not going to be a good day. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, uh, you were a little cutting it thin there, buddy. I hope you get a nap this afternoon or something. I'm praying for it. Well, let's just start with you to keep you awake so you don't fall asleep. Uh, Appreciate that. That means I can snooze the rest of our time. Sorry, Julian Brett. So, uh, as you know, this is a staff spotlight edition, and so we're just kind of taking some time on our Tuesdays for Talking podcast to interview some of the Mosaic Church staff and let people get to know those who help lead and serve this church uh, behind the scenes a bit. Some maybe not so behind the scenes. Uh, you get to see Barnabas quite a bit and Brett, but um, Julie's definitely like the Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? Like she just runs the whole thing, and everyone needs needs to know who she is. She's awesome. She doesn't like that I just said that, by the way, but she'll correct me in a moment. Um, but we'll make her sit on it for a second, though, and go back to Barnabas. Barnabas, man, we just love to hear your story. Like, How did you end up in Austin? How'd you end up at Mosaic Church even before you were a part of the staff team? Well, it all started 39 years ago, Nathan, when I was a little... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Speed this thing along, Barnabas. We don't want to hear that much. All right. Uh, I became part of the church when I was 19. I was a college student. At, at the University of Texas here in Austin. I had moved from Fort Worth, which is my, my hometown, grew up there, and had this cool opportunity to, to become a Longhorn. Uh, got a little bit of a scholarship, not a full ride, but came to uh, Austin in 2000 and no, actually 1999. Wow, I'm old. Uh, came, came here in the fall of, of, of 99 as a freshman, uh, acting ridiculously not smart my freshman year and my sophomore year met a missionary uh, who shared the gospel with me and uh, that was my first exposure understanding what it meant to being a christian and hear, hearing that that message it confronted me with a decision to continue living the way that i was or to make a change and by god's grace i i, I made that change and became a Christian at age 19, my sophomore year in college. A few of my friends also made a similar decision in, in a span of six months. My All of my roommates were, were Christians. And we became part of, of what is now known as Mosaic. Back then, uh, it was Morningstar Church, later became uh, Christ Community Church, and a lot of transition uh, after being part of the church. So here I am, a 19-year-old knucklehead, uh, becoming a new Christian. And I started out on campus as a, as a student, trying to learn how to love Jesus and helping to build a campus ministry, learning what how to walk this thing out and, and just trying to support the church, trying to not screw up too bad 
<laughs> along the way. And so that was my first exposure to the church. And that was around 2000. So that was November of 2000 that I gave my heart to, to Jesus, became part of the church and just started serving. That's wiping toilets, seats on, on the, once every couple of weeks. That's being an usher. That's whatever I could do to just do my part. Uh, I, I did and served as uh, the president of our campus ministry for a little bit before I graduated and became a campus missionary for for a season from about 2005 to 2010. And so I've worn some some interesting hats over, over the years. And, and after the finishing my tenure, I like to say that, uh, as, as a missionary at the University of Texas, I went ahead and did corporate for a little bit. So I, I worked at a few different places, so Concordia University, worked at care.com. Uh, and then God has a funny way of boomeranging a brother and brought me right back into ministry uh, <laughs> in, in 2015. So I've been on staff uh, as one of the pastors and I've been doing that for the last five years. And it's been, it's been fun. I, I, the most beautiful part about it is the people. Getting a chance to to get to know all of you, especially I've been knowing Brett for gosh, going on twenty years. Uh, Julie, well over ten. Uh, Nate, over ten. And it's just been fun just to to work with friends. You know, uh, all the places that I've worked over the years, the the things that matter the most is I I always miss the people. You know, and so that's it's just wonderful to know that I can I can make a difference in the lives of people with folks I like to be around. And that's, I don't, everybody can't say that, you know, I get to say that, that I enjoy the people I work with. So uh, that's how I got introduced to, to, the, to the church and the role I'm functioning in now and continue to, to, to do it and looking forward kind of to the, the, to the years to come, seeing what God does. Man, that's awesome, Barnabas. Brett, man, you, you've been here, uh, I think, like longer than, like you and Moses helped start the church, I think. Or, <laughs> I think so. It, or was it Methuselah? I'm not sure. Which one? Definitely Methuselah. Uh, me, me and David DeStefano. <laughs> Same thing. Two, two, two longest running. We're the two longest running members. Mosaic, man. Yeah, since O two. O two, and you got here. I know some people have been through our membership class. Already heard this, but maybe you want to tell the Reader's Digest version for those who haven't. You got here through some very interesting circumstances, my friend. I did, yeah. So uh, similar to Barnabas, actually, I came to faith at the age of nineteen as well. I grew up a uh, single parent home, going to church every Sunday, and kind of knowing all the Bible stories and all the right scriptures and all those things. Uh, but as a freshman at the University of Georgia, actually my my high school sweetheart, who is now my wife, she and I were actually asked to go lead um, a, a FCA retreat for high school students. And at that retreat, we actually both got saved. <laughs> we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be discipling these high school kids. This <laughs> goes to show you, man. Just Whoops. You, yeah, I still exactly. have so many questions about the people that were in charge of that thing. But I, anyway. I, hey, listen, that was, that, was, that was my first comment coming out of there. I went to the director and I was like, we need a better screening process. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we got, got saved there and, and started working with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And then my senior year at UGA, as I was playing football, I also doubled as an interim youth pastor at a, a Methodist church back in the hometown where my wife and I grew up. So I would drive back and forth between Athens, Georgia and Snellville, Georgia. That is the actual name of the city. Wow. Snellville. Yeah, it's just outside. <laughs> and we were doing youth ministry. So then uh, when I graduated from Georgia, went up to uh, Indianapolis where I was uh, signed with the Indianapolis Colts in 2001. And at the time, our church here in Austin had a ministry called Champions for Christ that was an outreach to college and professional athletes. And so one of the pastors was coming up to Indianapolis every week doing a Bible study with some guys on the team, uh, got connected through that, came here to Austin for a Champions 
conference uh, that spring and uh, got got to know some of the other pastors and people from the church and got a little more familiar with what God was doing here in Austin. And I got released from Indianapolis, went back to Atlanta, uh, got a job working as a youth pastor at a, at a Calvary Chapel uh, church in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and then signed with the Falcons out of there. And so I was kind of back and forth between the NFL and ministry. Uh, it just so happens I signed with the Falcons as a running back uh, in the offseason. They also drafted a running back in the first round and then were able to pick up Warwick Dunn, who's a Hall of Fame running back, as a free agent. So they called me up and said, hey, remember how we told you we need a running back? Well, we've got a couple. You're not one of them. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> so that, so that, hey, it's, it's a business, baby. So that that basically got me out of the Falcons organization. At that point, a friend of mine who was in Indianapolis had moved back here to Austin to be a part of the church. Uh, he He's actually a pastor in our, the church we planted up in Indianapolis now, but they, they flew Melissa and me out here to Austin to visit just to kind of have a week of getting away and praying and seeking God. While we were out here, uh, the pastor at the time asked if we would consider moving out here to start a youth ministry uh, because the church didn't have a youth program at that point in time. And my wife and I prayed about it and very clearly heard God tell us, hey, we're, I'm taking you to Austin. To, this is a work I'm calling you to. So we said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be there in a few weeks. We've got a number of weddings we got to be in because it was that season in our life. Uh, but moved out here August of 2002. Uh, of course, as, as God's sense of humor would have it, after we agreed to move out here to start the youth ministry, then the Buffalo Bills called, want me to come up for a tryout and um, essentially just said, sorry, man, God, God's called me out of football and into the ministry. So. I have to I have to decline the uh, the opportunity there. So came out here in August of 02. I started the youth ministry officially in January of 2003. And uh, man, been here ever since. Loved every second of it. It's been, been lots of ups and downs, but I've seen God do some amazing, miraculous things and wouldn't trade it for the world. That's awesome, man. I mean, quite a uh, financial journey there, a swing from like worst case scenario, NFL minimum. I don't know what it was back then, but it probably wasn't too bad. It was two, 225. 225 league minimum to, hey, come work for us in Austin. And by the way, there's no paycheck. Uh, right, yeah, that was right, part of the story, crazy. right? <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. Surprise. Yeah, I was asked, uh, hey, would, would, you, would you come out here? We want to hire you as our youth pastor. Of course, I had been a youth pastor at two other churches and gotten paid a salary. And so about about two weeks before we we packed up the truck and moved out here, I got a call from one of the associate pastors who's wanted to see how my support team was coming along. And I, I say what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? What's a, what's a support team? Like you mean like people encouraging me? Like what? What's a support team? And so he explained about how to raise my financial support that I was going to have to raise my own salary. And I was like. All right, maybe that's how they do things in Texas. You know, Texas, Texas, is always, Texas is always doing its own thing. So that's how I do things in Texas. And um, but I, I, again, just kind of the part of, part of the miraculous thing we saw God do was I started asking around other guys that were out here that were working with champions, and and I even talked with, with uh, Morgan about his support team, and and to the T, every single one of them were saying, "Man, it's at least a nine month process." And uh, so my, Melissa and I, we, we pray, hit our knees and pray. We said, well, God, we ain't got nine months. We got 30 days. So you're going to have to do something here. And over the course of 30 days, we had a full support team raise. It was like stupid stuff. Like I would call people, I'd send letters, and then I would, you know, I'd call them to talk about what we were doing and, and what how we were raising our support team. And I had people that were just like, hey, how much how much do you need? And I'd be like, I haven't gotten to that part yet. And they go, you don't need to. God already spoke to me and told me what, what you were calling wow. for and what you needed. And 
it was just crazy, miraculous things like that. And so we were able to get a, um, a monthly salary raised in the course of 30 days. Wow. And, uh, and that, yeah, that was a that was a huge, huge part of, of really setting that foundational level of, of faith. We came out here, just our ability to trust God to, to do some amazing things that were beyond our control, because we, we started out the gate with seeing him move on people's hearts in a way that I'd never seen before. So it was pretty amazing. That's crazy. That is an incredibly incredible. crazy story, man. Well, we're we're certainly glad, obviously, that you're here and that you've been here all this time. Um, and we'll get we'll get back to hearing some more from you in just a minute. But definitely want to get over here to Julie. Julie came in a very kind of strange way as well. I mean, I guess it's not that strange, but for the kind of sort of leadership and the weighty voice that you have within our church and especially within our staff at this point, it was an interesting path to get there. Love love for you to tell that story to people listening to the podcast today. Yes, actually, it it is quite an interesting story. Um, I was um, transitioning from a job, looking for a new job, and um, ended up coming to interview at this church. And I was excited about the opportunity. I had never worked at a church, but at at the time, my kids were little, and um, it was a part-time role. It was an ideal fit that gave me the opportunity to take them to school and um, come to work and then leave in time to pick them up and do the volunteer field trips and volunteer things that, that moms and dads love to do. So anyway, I, I came on staff part-time in January of 2007. And at that time, the church had just purchased the property the previous quarter, the fourth quarter of 2006, the church had purchased the property where we are here now on 183, and we hadn't yet moved here. So it was, it was definitely a transition time for the church. There was quite a lot of activity going on. On it, quite honestly, the first couple of weeks, I didn't know if I was going to stay. I had never worked at a church, and I didn't know how you know church business actually worked. You know, I have an accounting background, but God never said to leave. And so, when the person that hired me brought me over to the property to kind of walk through it in advance of us moving here. I had my first kind of encounter with God where we were walking down the hallway and all all the hairs on my arms stood up and I I felt like I'd been here before and it was just really unusual. Um, I used to live in the neighborhood um, close to the church in Millwood and I would drive by this property all the time. And I just remember having a dream that I was in this church and I was just wondering why am I why am I in this building with with the there used to be yellow and red awnings on the frontage road of 183 and anyway it was that moment was just kind of pivotal like I was supposed to be here I felt like I was supposed to be here so once we moved over here there were a lot of staff layoffs there were a lot of budget cuts again it was I wasn't sure that this was going to be the right fit for me. I wasn't a member of the church at this time. They, the leadership at that time intentionally hired a non-member to do the bookkeeping. So I was originally hired as the bookkeeper. And I would say those first couple of years were definitely a challenge, but God never said go. And so 
I was faithful and stayed. And over the years, have my role here has expanded from being the bookkeeper to then I was the bookkeeper and the executive assistant to our elder team. And then later on, helped out overseeing our facilities and then just going from there. So um, my love for the church has just grown tremendously over the years. Like I said, I was I was hired a non-member. I was a member at a, a local denominational church where my um, children att- attended school. And it wasn't until I was here on staff for 10 years that, yes, 10 years that Better I- late than never. Yes, started attending. So when I started working here, my children, uh, my daughter was in kinder and my son was in second grade. And as they got older, the whole time I was here, we would we would come to special services. And I really felt like I had two church families, really. I really did feel a part of this church family, in addition to being on staff. But after attending several special services, my daughter shared with me, Mom, when we are at church, I feel like they're talking about God. And when we're at Mosaic, I feel like God is in the room. And so it was definitely, yes, (laughs) it was definitely undeniable that, you know, we were being called here and that I feel strongly that I was, I I was at the church that I was in when my children were small and I grew in my faith there and it's very difficult to leave a church. So I'm, Sure, Pastor Morgan would tell you how many times I cried in his office about the decision, and it was a very difficult one. But ultimately, I made the decision to come here. I had been baptized as an infant, and I felt that it was time to be water baptized. And I just feel like it's been a journey of my faith, just growing stronger um, over the years. And I just love being a part of this church, one. And I really love being on our staff. That's a great story. That's great. That's awesome. We love, we no, love what, us some Julie. What's funny, what's funny, Julie, is I, I mean, I'm thinking back to 2007 when how many times Melissa and I were asking God if we could leave. Just <laughs> <laughs> things were not good back then, and uh, and he told us the same thing. He's like, "Nope, you're not leaving." And uh, I, think, I think back to those days, and then fast forward to getting to to take you through the membership class and do your membership interview and watch you go through the membership process, having known you for over a decade at that point, and and getting to just walk with you through all those things, like all, all the amazing moments we would have missed had we not listened to the voice of God. He said, "Stay put." Exactly. And really circling back to this was probably uh, 2008, possibly 2009 when we started going through the leadership transition. But I was really questioning, like, God, am I supposed to do something else? And I remember walking down what is now the the back hallway in MKIDS. And I remember just clearly hearing God Um, ask me, what makes you think this isn't going to be a great church? 
And, you know, we all want to be a part of an organization that's doing well and isn't having such severe problems that we were in and that moment in the transition. But um, I really do believe that God had a plan for this church. Um, There were times when I was really nervous, you know, are we going to make it? (laughs) And, um, you know, it was his will. It was his time. Um, and I, I really look back at that time, just seeing how faithful he was, um, through the whole season. And there was a lot of pruning done and it it was painful to walk through, but it was, it was really good. Yeah. I'll tell you another, another bit of irony in all that was, you know, around (laughs) 2007, 2008, 2009, when we were just, people were walking out the doors by the dozens and with them, all the giving was going out the door as well. And and as a church, if you remember, Julie, we were having to let go of staff member after staff member after staff member, pastor after pastor after pastor. But the one guy who remained on staff was the guy who had to raise his own support. Watch out now. Watch out now. Can't fire him if you ain't paying him. That's right. Can't, can't let him go if you ain't paying him. And uh, so, yeah, I ended up being the only guy left on staff by the end of 2009. I was the only pastor yeah. that was still on staff being paid. Or That's exactly right. Because I was on support. That's exactly right. Who's going to do the membership class? Right. Brett. Right. Who's going who's gonna to take for this? Brett. And then Morgan right. arrived uh, January yeah. 2010. And uh, that season, I've heard Dr. John affectionately call, there was four and no more. And it was, <laughs> it was you and yeah. Jamie Smith and uh, me yeah. and yeah. and Morgan and yeah. a, hand, a handful of um, part-time people. So. Yeah, I just I just love the irony of how, how how frustrated I was about having to raise support, and yet that was God. God knew what He was doing, like always. That's awesome. It's funny, Julie's like as always, so measured and put together. She's telling her story, and for those of you who can't see the video, like the whole time she's telling you this story in this nice proper presentation, Brett's like falling out of his chair laughing <laughs> on screen because <laughs> because all these little things that she's talking uh-huh. about were like you know. Brett, let us into your mind a little bit more. I mean, I know you're laughing about what you just said, but there's got to be more to it than that. Uh, just think, just think of the, all the craziness of that that season of time, and um, <laughs> no, none of us knew if the doors were going to stay open. I mean, we, we Real it, it really was just the miraculous hand of God. But I'm just trying to think. I'm just remembering back through all the nonsensical conversations and decisions, and just craziness that was going on from 2007 to 2009. And uh, just to hear Julie describe it, it sounds like it was this. Well, things were things weren't all that great. <laughs> we, had, we had to work through a few issues. I'm like, they're going, man, things were, hit the fan. <laughs> like it was crazy, man. It was madness. <laughs> yeah, I definitely had that. Should I still be here? <laughs> right around 2008, 2009. I'm like, you know, it might be time. Listen, I, I got, so I started coming to this church in January of 2005. And then I was a little bit in and out, like some, just some things happened. Between 2005 and 2011, Ashley and I helped plant two churches. One was a plant out of this church. Another one was independent. I helped out at a, yet a third church who went through a little bit of a crisis of their own. And in between all of that, I was traveling as a catastrophe insurance adjuster. And so my life was all over the map, but in between those sort of stints at helping out different churches and helping those plants and what have you, we we sort of always found ourselves back at, at that time with CCC. 
And I remember um, when, when all this transition was going on, I was my, my family was there. Like Ashley and the kids were going to church there, but I was actually deployed in Atlanta um, and was working there. I'll never forget, like I get a phone call one night. I'm in my, my, my hotel there. I had, actually hadn't been there all that long at this point in time from someone who I will not name, uh, but was involved in leadership at this church at that time. And he says, hey, brother, your family's still over there at CCC? I said, yeah. Brother, you might want to tell him just to get out. <laughs> and uh, I oh, said, snap. what? <laughs> Listen, I can't tell you everything going on, but uh, you might want to just get your family out of there. You know? <laughs> and, uh, family exodus. <laughs> and it was good. We had a long conversation, you know, and it, which... I mean, it was a little tongue in cheek, but there was definitely some seriousness to it. That was the introduction of the conversation for him to call and tell me what was going on at, at that time. Uh, but really, it did do a couple things because that, that conversation sort of ended in a place where, hey, if you feel called to be here, then do not leave. But if you don't feel called to be here, you should leave. I mean, that really was like the where 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 that conversation landed from from that person to to me. And in hindsight, like I think he was right. You know, like uh, with with what the church was already going through and what what the church was going to continue to go through, the the church that was going to be there because Jesus purposed for this church to exist. But the church that was going to be there at that time needed people to be there who were called to be there, Amen. and probably didn't need a lot of people to be there that weren't called to be there. You know, and so. So it was yeah. definitely a, a time of, of uh, sifting and culling or, you know, whatever other agricultural term you want to use for it. <laughs> for uh, uh, and for me, it was a little bit simpler because it was like, well, I'm here. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a thousand miles away or whatever. And, uh, you know, my, if my wife wants to be there, then I guess she'll be there. And she did. She just she really felt called to be there. And I was like, well, if you if you feel that, then I'm good and I'll catch you when I get home, you know. <laughs> and so then I remember, you know, them hearing hearing more phone calls and getting more phone calls about the pastor search and it just so happened that I had been in town visiting when someone else was there preaching who they were considering hiring uh, as the pastor and I, I remember sitting through that message thinking like I hadn't been here in a while, but this did not seem right. And, uh, you know, I was back in Atlanta two days later and I was up all night writing an email. Um, and Brett, I don't remember if you got that email. I can't even remember who all I sent it to, but it was basically like, I, I knew that it was between Morgan and this other guy. And I knew this other guy was getting the lean at, at, at a push from a really good friend of mine that normally I trust. But I was like, dude, you're missing it. This, you, if you want that guy, you could take him. And the, the guy's probably a great guy. I don't even know him, but I just knew that like sitting in the room, listening to him preach, like, this can't be the thing that happens. So I just had this real compulsion, which y'all who work with me a lot know that sometimes mm -hmm. I can get that way, where I just needed to, to let my opinions be known that I really thought this would be a mistake. And it seems to me like Morgan Stevens is exactly the person who needs to lead this church from the season it's in to the season it's going into. And I didn't even know Morgan that well. I mean, I had very few interactions with him. He whipped my butt at foosball a few times and laughed at me, <laughs> uh, you know, things like that. But you and uh, the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it was just so clear to, to me, even in that weird space I was in where I wasn't even here all that much, which maybe helped, you know, you, you drop in and you're not sort of caught up in the, the day to day. 
Um, sometimes you can have more clarity actually with less proximity. It's weird how that works. Uh, but, but anyway, I, my, all that to say, like my hat is off to, to all of you. You know I mean? Barnabas for hanging in there, what you were doing, Brett, of course, and Julie working on the staff and sort of keeping things going through all of those turbulent times. You know, I had the easiest part of, of from all of us for sure, just to sort of watch at a distance and, um, and just do what my wife said, which is usually a pretty safe bet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Brett, now I like, kind of fast forward, man, you've worn so many different hats and of course, you know, community and discipleship is just like as central to you as George Bulldogs. I mean, like you, if you cut, if you cut Brett Milliken, he's going to like, he's going to bleed Jesus and Bulldogs and discipleship and community. And that, that's just what you're going to get if, if he just starts to talk. But, but I love for you. I mean, obviously we did a podcast earlier in the year about our discipleship process, but man, I'd like to just hear your heart more about how important discipleship and community is for the local church. Yeah, Nathan. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it really all boils down to what we were designed for and, and being the image bearers of God being called to be a reflection of a God who exists and, and, and as a Trinitarian God means that community is the very essence of our DNA. Like we're, we're made to be in loving community as a reflection of who God is out into the world. And so discipleship um, is essentially that call to be conformed to the image of Christ because he was the best image bearer of God that the world's ever seen. And so the more we look like him, the more we fulfill our purpose. And I've just seen in my own life, like when I've chased after all these other things that I, I thought would provide identity and purpose and value and worth, um, like football, like girls, like popularity, like acceptance, all those things, just how, how it has, in a sense, disintegrated me and my humanity. It, it, it's left me miserable. It's left me longing. It, it, you know, it never fulfills the thing it promises to fulfill. And so when I when I engage with people as a pastor and as a friend and as a brother in Christ, my, my sole desire is to say, man, that God has purposed you for something so much greater than what you're living for. And, and it looks like this. It's walked out in community. It's it's knowing who he is and who he's called you to be. Uh, and and it, 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 that can't happen outside of the context of relationship, not only because we need one another in order to reflect the love of a triune God, but we also need one another to, to help us grow and, and be conformed to Christ because we all have blind spots. None of us know what our blind spots are. Uh, I know, Nathan, you and I have had many conversations where we've pointed each other's blind spots out. And I'm so grateful and thankful for for that being part of our relationship. Likewise, we, we, we talk about 2007 to that, that little season in our church. And it, what was I think the reason we had gotten so sideways is because the whole vision and, and direction of the church at that point in time was really was just. Let's get as many people in a room on Sunday morning who can give as much money as they possibly can so we can build a bigger building in order to make room to have more people in there on a Sunday morning to give more money so we can just just keep building a Sunday morning experience. And there was there was no sense of community, no sense of relationship, no no sense of direction in regards to where are we going. And I remember back in that day, our membership class, we had a we had a baseball diamond printout that basically was supposed to be casting the vision. Oh my gosh. It was horrible. It was supposed to cast the vision of, of our discipleship track. And and 101 was first base. And 201 was second base and 301 was third base and 401 was home plate. 
Um, and, and we, we never got past 101, which was the membership class. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not sure why we had the baseball diamond because we didn't have any information to fill it in with. But the base, it was like, hey, here's our membership class. Show up on Sundays. We expect you to give. And that's that's church. Uh, and just from a core conviction of, of when God saved me and what God had kind of shown me over those first few years of walking with him, of the importance of, of community and, and discipleship. Um, like, man, I was just I was just so frustrated in that point in time. And so to see where God has brought us today, where one of the, the one of the common responses that people give when they get involved with Mosaic is, man, this just feels like family. It feels like community. It feels to see how God has has morphed us into this this multi-ethnic, multi-generational community of people willing to walk out the gospel together. Uh, and, and again, Sunday mornings are vitally important. The preaching of the word, man, we don't want to forsake that at all. But if you don't take what you're hearing from the pulpit and live it out the rest of the week, then you, you're kind of playing, you're playing church. And uh, so, you know, for, for me, it's all about us walking this thing out together because, you know, Jesus said the world's going to know who I am by the way you love one another. Well, you can't love one another if you're not in the thick of things with one another. And so that, that call to just be the family that God's called us to be through thick and thin, man, through ups and downs for, for better or worse. Uh, that is just, that's my heartbeat because number one, it, it's what glorifies God. But number two, it's also what brings true joy into my life and to the life of people I love. Can I join your church? Can I join your church? <laughs> you're, you're, already, you're already in it. <laughs> I love that, Brett. And I just think about, you know, the hard things that, you know, the four of us have walked out together and, you know, over the years of working together. And absolutely, I just, I love that. And I love your heart for discipleship and for mission and for community. And I, I just believe that it just makes all of us better and stronger. And like, I'm looking at all three of your faces. And again, just thinking about things we have shepherded one another through. And I just wouldn't, wouldn't trade that for anything. I just want to props to props to you, Brett. I mean, you look at where we were a decade ago and where we are today, and I, I look at the type of community that I hear about. Uh, I, I look and I hear about people caring for each other in very deep and meaningful ways. And and honestly, I, I God sparked that with you. You know, you, your heart comes out of people who weren't here a decade ago people who weren't here five years ago, the the vision that you've casted over the past over a decade has seeped deep down into the culture of our, of our church. And so I just want to say thank you for being persistent. Thank you for uh, even pushing against maybe even old ways of, of, of viewing church people and, and the purpose of why we even exist and, and really getting your, your just hands dirty, man, because we're reaping the fruit of that now. So, so props to you, man, for, for all your labor and we're definitely seeing the benefit of it. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. But we're all bought into it. I mean, it's, it's not like y'all don't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. It's it's, it's honestly, it's been, I think it's just been the way God has brought together our leadership team, not just the four of us, but our staff, as he's pieced it together. I'm just thinking through this, in this past season, man, a lot of the stuff we went through with our staff, with the, with all the, the, the COVID-19 stuff and racial issues going on in our nation and being a multi-ethnic staff, seeing a lot of those issues happen to, they, they surfaced with even our own staff relationships, right? We've had to work through a lot of 
a lot of hard stuff over the last few months. Um, I mean, not not just from racial stuff, but even Nathan, you and I have to work through some some personal things that we had to work through of misunderstandings and misconceptions, and <clears throat> and I think it's the fact that that we're all bought into that that vision of man, we're going to being being the people who God's called us to be and being the family God's called us to be is we know it's not going to be easy, but we're also not going to abandon ship. We're not going to bail on one another because because we love one another genuinely. We love one another with the love of Christ. And so, man, we, there's been there's been lots of I mean, we all know there's been lots of offenses and wounds and hurts over the last few months and uh, not just in the church, but with our staff. But the fact that we're actually coming out of that, I feel stronger I mean, I know my, 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 my relationship with Nathan and my vision, my view of, of Nathan as a man of God today is way stronger than it was at this point last year. And the trust level is way stronger than it was at this point, even, even just back in January, February, because we had to work through some things. Um, and, and to me, that, that's, that's where the beauty of the church come, shines through, is when the world can look at a, a community of people who are willing to say, Hey, we're not always going to agree, but we're always going to love one another. We're going to seek, we're going to seek to to achieve unity, you know, through thick and thin, because uh, that just that ain't happening in our world today. And mm-hmm. I, to me, to me, that's a display of what God's kingdom's all about. And so, I mean, I pre- appreciate your kind words, Barnabas. You're, you know, I'll take them. But you know, <laughs> I'm going to, as you said, I'm, I'm a boomerang brother and throw it back at you <laughs> and say, you know. Listen, it's it's because we're all bought into that. We're all willing to make the sacrifice that 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 requires that we are we're seeing God do, you know, what God's doing here. So that's real. Brett, I think first of all, I just second what Barnabas said. He he beat me in there um uh, with those comments. That was great. Uh I, I think too though, man, just to to make you even a little more uncomfortable, maybe, or maybe you like it. But you know me well enough to know I don't like it. Uh, one of the things that I, I love about you, Brett, and just so appreciate about your leadership is that it's not just conceptual. You actually do even more than you talk about. And, and that, is so, that is so rare, especially rare for high-level leaders who have to spend a lot of time thinking. Right. Like, I mean, for us to be thoughtful people, we have to spend time thinking. And oftentimes, if you're spending time thinking, (laughs) you're spending less time doing. Somehow, you know, you have managed to, and probably because you just locked into this core conviction so long ago that everything just sort of flows out of that. And it's so contagious. But to watch you actually do and to, to sort of maintain that, that flag that you have planted and not waver from it for so many years ha- has really, I think, been a little secret ingredient, frankly, to like the church's success um, over the last 10 years. And I say that with all, literally all due respect to, to Pastor Morgan, to our elders, who I know we, we all love and trust. Um, and of course, they empowered you to do that. They have supported you in doing that. They share all those same things. These ideas that you have aren't unique to you. They, they right. share all those same ideas. But Right. Um, but but you have been sort of the front end, the front line person to get in there and take that machete into the field that hasn't been cut down and cut it down and also tell people like this is where we're supposed to go and watch me I'm going to take us there you know and, and in this space um, in particular you have led so well there's other there's other tremendous things about our church and maybe there's other things you could say we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for that I mean we hear that all the time we wouldn't be where we were for this person it wasn't for that person and that's all true 
And so this t- this takes nothing away from any of those other truths or any of those other important people, but it definitely is true of you in your ministry. And I, I just if like if people get nothing else out of you being on the podcast today, I hope they can hear that like what you see with Brett is what you get. Like it's not fake, it's not contrived. He's not just doing a job. Like he's just exercising out his belief, and he's taking something that he believes and has a responsibility for making sure you believe it too. Um, <laughs> has a little little inside joke there. <laughs> but but it's true. Um, that, and you're putting that on display, not just through speech, but through your life, man. And so I appreciate that about you. And you're just such a significant yeah. leader because you're able to frankly lead in ways that even like I'm, me, Barnabas, Julie, like we don't lead the same way you do. Um, we lead differently, but your leadership is so valuable and so so key uh, to what we're doing, man. So thank you again, just for kind of who you are and what you bring to the table, not just now, but in all the years that have gone by. Oh, that's, that's, that's kind of you, man. Very kind of you. But again, I'm a, uh, it's the fact. Nope, the nope. Fact, next next fact, question. Next question. Next question. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that we all lead. The fact that we all lead in the strengths that God has given us. I, you know, it's it's Paul's idea of the body of Christ, right? It's us all coming together in our unique strengths. You know, I mean, I think of Pastor Morgan and his conviction of every time he preaches from the pulpit, it's going to land on Jesus. Man, I, we wouldn't be where we are without that. You know, I think of, of, of your your conviction, Nathan, of theologically, we are going to get it correct and accurate. And, and we're going to make th- make sure things are running smoothly. And and Barnabas's convictions with, man, we're going to serve the least of these. And Julie's convictions, of, we're going to stay out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we're going to make things legal and do it. It's just, it's those, it's those giftings coming together. And that, again, that goes back to the community idea of, of when we're free to be who God's made us to be because we know we're loved for, for being that, then, you know, things can happen. So absolutely. Barnabas, uh, obviously, man, you spent a lot of time as a campus missionary and then in the corporate world, but you, you are sort of a missionary at heart, man. You've always been one that will, will go out and, and get people. And it's weird. Cause like, you're definitely an introvert, you know, which I would not have known by the way, until I got to know you, right. uh, because you extrovert so well. Right. It's that, it's that smile. There's some comedian on Netflix. Gosh, I can't remember his name. I think I want to say it's like Ryan something, but he has like this big cheesy smile, you know, that's like permanent. And when he when he when he starts his uh, when he start when he starts his routine, he's like, "Where do you want to start? How about my face? You want to start with my face?" I know you're talking about. Uh, and uh, your your smile is actually way better than his, but it's it is always there. And, and again, I mentioned that earlier. I love that about you, but it causes causes us to be fooled uh, into thinking that you're this big extrovert personality. When the truth is, you're you're pretty introverted in terms of where you derive your strength. Um, that being said, I, I think that's just worth pointing out, though, because you do such an incredible job at reaching out. And most people who derive strength from reaching in uh, struggle with reaching out. And you reach out so well, and it just comes so natural. And I've, I've loved you know watching you over the last few years take, take more and more of a part of, of our missions and what we do with mission in general, both internal missions, external missions, mission in the community, mission in outside of the community, mission in other countries. Um, and I would love, Barnabas, just to give you just a moment to kind of talk about why that is so important and so so important to you and so key to who we are as a church. Sure. I'll take a couple minutes, uh, you know, shout out to, to, to NC that, that helped me to come out my shell quite a bit, uh, and, and undergrad at UT. And that, that definitely created a season for me to, to realize that being an introvert is, is about what you receive, but being missional is about what you give, right? Ministry is is just serving, and and I think that as many of us who are more inward 
focused from an introvert kind of personality type of a way, uh, we recognize that we need people. And, and I, I think as much as I enjoy, you know, sitting at home and maybe watching a show or, or just thinking and, and introverting, as they say, uh, I realize that there's a void when I'm not around people, when I'm not in community. And my, my heart and desire is to go after those who don't have it in the sense that they have needs. They, they, they need to be to, to, to experience God's love for them in, in a way that will bust through that isolation and loneliness. And so when you look at places like, uh, I love Leah Hargrave, shout out to her, who's doing a lot with our, our, our Mosaic Street ministry and all the team that, that us come alongside her and people are on the street. You go up 183, up the corridor, McNeil, Oak No, even further south, there there's tent stairs and there's people who, if the people of God aren't the hands and feet, they will never experience God's provision and his care and that he sees them. When you look at students on, on the college campus that come in and they're in this impressionable season of their life where God is 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 can be very present or he can be absent in a sense that they don't have a, a lot of opportunity to to experience God unless people bring God to them. And I remember as a, as a, as a freshman and a sophomore, the time become, when I was a freshman, I hardly saw anybody talking about God. And then here comes my sophomore year, somebody came to me and said, let me tell you about Jesus in a very relational, loving, non-weird kind of way. And that's that's crucial to, to the advancement of the kingdom. And so I, I think when, when I think about mission, I, I think about being God's hands and feet. We're just taking his message that he's already spoken to the world. And so whether we're on a short-term mission trip to, to India or whether we're sitting down in Jester uh, on the college campus or whether we're handing out food to, to people off of 183 or 290, we're being missional and, and we, we serve people when we meet needs and we let them know that Jesus cares, God loves them. And he wants to, to be with them wherever they are, whatever season they might find themselves in. So that's a kind of short answer to probably a more broad, broad question, but hopefully it helps. I love that we have here at Mosaic some core values, worship, community, mission, and those those things allow us a primary filter to sort of think through what do we do and what are we spending our time, talent, and treasure on. And at the same time, uh, those things are broad enough that it allows us to do a lot of the work of the kingdom while still mm-hmm. remaining focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, it's the sort of the brilliance of the way that that was put together, um, mm-hmm. you know, by Brett and John and others, uh, you know, back back in the day, as they Amen. say. Um, but man, yeah, I, I appreciate our time. I know, I know we've all got some meetings to get to, but um, you were all just so fantastic. Julie, I love hearing your story. You obviously have done so much to, to help mm-hmm. this church along and like Brett said, to keep us, uh, to keep us out of debt, out of jail, out of you know whatever IRS <laughs> scrutiny, um, you know all the things. And I appreciate that you do that, not just like as a tactician, but like you would with your own children mm. or your own family. Like your heart is in it, and and I hope Amen. that people know that because they don't they don't unless they work with you, they don't, maybe don't get to see it all that much or get to encounter you. But mm-hmm. when you're when you're sort of running operations, you can <clears throat> develop a little bit of a of a Wizard of Oz mystique. Like I said, you know, that's not, not actually true. Um, but, but what I love about you is that you're not just a tactician. You're not just an operator, so to speak. Uh, your, your heart is really in it. And I know that you, you love the church. You love the people that you work with. You love the elders that lead our team. 
And, and of course, you love Jesus, and that is so evident every time you talk, um, every time you start to talk about Jesus. It's like this woman knows him, and mm-hmm. uh, that, that just means so much. It matters so much because at the end of the day, like we can do all, everything right on paper. And we can, you know, we can we can serve the least of these in practical ways, and that's good. And we can get people together for dinners and homes and to talk about the Bible, and that's good. And we can keep the balanced budget, you know, in place, and that's good. And we can sing some songs and have some classes, but but all of that can actually be done without really loving Jesus at the same mm-hmm. time. It's all just still stuff. True. It's all just religious activity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what people talk about, like it's not religion; it's a relationship. Well, you know what? It's both. Like. You can't have one without the other. You know, as people, you go have a relationship with Jesus outside of community, outside of acts of service, outside of acts of worship, outside of sacrificial living. Well, guess what? You probably don't actually know Jesus because Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus got away with his father for a few minutes and then came back to the people again. And at the same time, if you're not getting away, if you're not knowing Jesus, if you're not knowing him on a deep level, then what you do with people to a degree can become meaningless. Mm. It's not without meaning, but it becomes meaningless than it would be if Mm. you know Jesus. And so as I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm getting inspired for a minute because I'm looking at people in front of me right now on the Zoom who love Jesus so passionately and then also love people and then just do an excellent job of putting those things together day in, day out, keep showing up, even when it's hard. I'm going to get up today and do it again. I know that person crushed my soul yesterday, but I'm going to go love them again today anyway, even more yeah. so because of it. And I just I just see that so exemplified in the three of you, and it gets me excited all over again to think about, man, what God is doing in this church through the people I'm looking at on this screen right now. So thank, thank mm-hmm. all of you for being that kind of person. Amen. Hey, back at you, man. Back yeah, at brother. You. That's again to God be the glory, man. It's just His grace at, at work in us. So I Amen. think we, we need to Barnabas. We can't we can't call you introvert, man. There's there's got to be a third option. Ambivert is the third hybrid. Ambivert. Because I remember first time, first time I one of the first times I remember seeing Barnabas. He was on stage. We had some Saturday night thing going on back in the old facilities, and you were up there beatboxing and freestyling. <laughs> <laughs> And to hear, to hear this brother come out and say he's an introvert. I'm like, you know, <laughs> hey, introvert. <laughs> Just say it. I'll crawl in my cave in a minute. It's the gospel that compels me, brother. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, I think we, we need to have a throwback Thursday sometime and have to get you out there doing some beatboxing and some freestyling again. I'm, I'm a little rusty. There you go. That's what's coming next. <laughs> we give Julie the beatbox. I mean, is that how we want to end the podcast? I could give, I could, I could lay down a beat for you. Uh, B, so, you know uh, I think my, I think my connection is is messing up. <laughs> hey, we got. Hey, what? Hey, y'all, y'all know, y'all know, y'all know, Nathan. <laughs> I ain't gonna do it. I ain't gonna do it. Come on, B, let's hear it, man. I ain't gonna do it. Hey, y'all know, y'all know, Nathan was the lead singer of a of a rock band at one point, right? <laughs> Just saying. Between, Just between saying. Nathan and Barnabas, we got a, some fusion, man. Some hip hop rock fusion. Hey, let's on. do it. Let's do it. What was that? You got a, you got a guitar hanging behind you, Nathan. That, that's true. Uh, I think it's out of tune. Um, <laughs> It might be hey, missing so, a string. So is my voice. So let's go. <laughs> oh, oh man. Well, this has been fun. I love I love y'all so much, and it's great to see you. It's great to talk with you, and I hope the people listening feel like they know you a little better now than they did an hour ago. So thanks so much for all your yep. time. Thanks for being here today on Tuesdays. Are for talking. Awesome. Appreciate awesome. it, Nathan. Thank love you. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Tuesdays Are for Talking. 
For more information about how to get and stay connected to us, head over to mosaicchurchaustin.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We hope you'll make plans to join us next week.